from the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount Plus. Yes! Good evening and welcome in everybody to the uh, Monday Rewind. I am uh, Andrew Spade filling in for Mike Keefe and I am joined as always by Fred Greetham and Cody Sook. Uh, Fred, the Browns uh, won on Saturday 13-3 to against Baltimore. Uh, a, a pretty good team win overall but still some things that there's room to improve. Uh, what were your first thoughts after the game on Saturday? Well, I thought the defense really came up with their best game of the year. I mean, hold a team to three points. Obviously, Lamar Jackson didn't play, but Tyler Huntley put up some points last year against the Browns and was very effective. And I just think uh, I wasn't really expecting them to hold them down like that. Um, You know, we can get into it a little later, but I think that's almost – the idea that they had in mind, the blueprint when they necessarily don't worry so much about stopping the run and getting run stoppers. Mm-hmm. You know, when you take, if you can take the ball away, that's, that's the, the difference, you know, up and down the field, but you get a turnover and it didn't mean anything, but you know, all in all, I think, I think uh, they did what they had to do. Even though he only put up 13 points, I mean, the lack of touchdowns was the biggest concern, but he actually had two other drives that should have been points, missed field goals. And so I think I think uh, Deshaun Watson's making strides, and, and I can see, you know, what's going on on that side of the ball. Yeah, I think that, that that's a good summary. Uh, Cody, uh what did you think about uh, Saturday's performance? I, you know, I think, um, you know, it's hard for me to know if, if I'm letting the disappointment of a, a season that kind of hasn't gone the way that we wanted it to go get in the way of seeing actual progress from this team. Yeah. One thing that stood out to me and it stood out for a few weeks now is how the turnover luck is kind of starting to shift into the Browns favor. All of a sudden, not only that's by accident when you have guys like Denzel Ward's making a play down the red zone, that's a game changing play. Uh, at that point of the game, getting that interception. John Johnson having the highest graded game of his career, uh, recovering the fumble, uh, pass breakup, having a great game. Like That side of the ball um, definitely improved on the game. But I, th- I think that turnover luck and turnovers in general helped cover up some of those deficiencies that we've seen earlier on this season. Without without the interception, without the fumble, without some other things, I think that might be a little bit of a different football game. Uh, but it worked out in the Browns' favor. They got a victory. And an offense, I think you mentioned it just a minute ago, I think we're starting to see a gradual increase in performance that we expected from Watson. And like Fred said, there were – I actually watched the condensed replay of the game earlier. There were some times where they're down the red zone or moving the ball and something just happens. They get a sack, takes you back out of field goal range or a drive, oh, second drive of the game, moving the ball really well. Uh, Chubb misses uh, – I um, can't remember the play that sacked – uh, Watson of the Ravens of that play. Chubb misses his block, yeah, gets sacked, Hamilton, ruins. Yeah. yeah, Kyle Hampton, right, ruins that drive. Um, or a holding call on DPJ, takes back takes back a big play. And then at the end of the game, even they're in the red zone there at the end of the game, and just kneel it out, you know, you're in the position to score again. So I think we're starting to see it gel a little bit it's against some pretty good defenses too. I mean, the Bengals have a good defense. The, the, the uh, Ravens have a good defense. Uh, these next three teams all have good defenses, so we'll see how it goes. But I think we're going to see that arrow keep going slightly up. You know, it's it's not a upward pointing like this. You know, it's not that kind of sharp <coughs> angle. But I think we're starting to see them gel a little bit, uh, and it's good for the defense to hold their own for once and get the team to a victory. Yeah, uh, let's talk a little bit about the offense um, in in more depth because you know the the it felt like Watson was better. This is his best game of the three so far. And as you said, it's been steady improvement. We talked about it a little bit in Slack today. The, uh, you know, the, the every game has been a little bit better than the last one. Um, but, you know, they, they still struggle to score points. So obviously the Ravens are a good defense, but, at, you know, at times we're, we're shooting themselves in the foot. They didn't turn the ball over, which was good. But, um, you know, the running game, I think, really was more of a volume uh, success than, a, than necessarily an efficiency success. So, 
you know, I, I think my question is, is the offense struggling? Would they be struggling against any team or is it really more just that they've played two pretty good defenses the last two weeks in, uh, in the Bengals and the Ravens? What do you think about that, Fred? Yeah, I think the Ravens are very good defense and uh, they hadn't allowed anybody a hundred yard rusher. And I think Chubb has been the top rusher and one they're they're the most they've given up. It was like 90 or whatever he had the first game. Then he had 99 the other day. So um, yeah, the Ravens good defense. Like I said, the Browns stalled had two other field goals. They should have scored. And then at the end of the game, we're in position to score again. Um, other than shooting themselves in the foot, they didn't turn it over. But like I said, that big holding penalty on Peoples-Jones, mm-hmm. you know, ended a drive. I, you know, I'm, I think they play an average defense. I think they're going to just start putting more and more points on the board. As <clears throat> I'm writing for tomorrow, I mean, Watson, you look at just the box score, the offense has put up like six, 10, and 13 points. I mean, that's mm-hmm. not even 10 a game. So you know it's there. The most under-the-radar play to me in that game was on third and seven in the fourth quarter, opening drive, and he took off right up the middle for 17 yards. That is a difference maker, you know, right there, is that when you got a quarterback that can do that, that can really take the life out of the defense. And I think he'll do that more and more as he gets more and more comfortable. But I just think you can't defend that element. If there's an opening, they leave, he can go right through it. So I just think, you know, you look at the long range weather for this weekend, I almost wish wish it was supposed to be a really nice day because I'd like to see Watson – you know, open things up here before the season's out and not playing one of these weather games every week. I mean, right. I know we, we talk about the North Coast and Cleveland, but there hasn't really been that bad of weather games, you know, at home in recent years. And it might this this week could end up being like the worst. Yeah, the forecast does not does not look good. Um, Cody, on on the offensive scheme overall, um, you know, it, it feels to me like they really are. I mean, you know, Jake Burns has said this a few times. We talked about it in the postgame show. They are changing the offense kind of wholesale right in the middle of the season, you know, um, building the car as they're driving down the highway or whatever metaphor you want to use. Um, I'm a little surprised by that because I thought, you know, when this trade was made, in my mind, I kind of said, well, the offense is good. So now we just have a better quarterback running the offense that is good. And then he's going to start to do some other stuff to Fred's point of, you know, making plays on third down, scrambling, making plays out of structure, all the stuff that Mayfield could never do. Right. And and it was going to elevate the existing offense to another level. And instead, it looks like their strategy has been to kind of just re- reboot this thing. And uh, it's been a little bit strange to, wa- strange to watch, right? Yeah, especially those first two games out of the gate, we saw them go read option RPO very heavy in the Houston game from the get-go, something they hadn't done really all season. Cincinnati wasn't as high. And I, I feel like on the rewatch and at first watch on Saturday, it kind of drifting backwards almost back into the style of offense that we were used to seeing mm-hmm. uh, previously this season uh, with the boot action, play action, uh, yep. a little bit, some, some five, seven-step drop stuff there too. And I think that may have benefited him a little bit if it makes even makes sense. <laughs> playing more in that style of offense that's very quarterback friendly. We see San Francisco does it, uh, do it. Other teams do it as well. Um, I, I think maybe they got away from that a little bit this week, uh, maybe opponent-based, but also comfortable-based. If he's more comfortable running something during the week and these 15 or 20 plays are really working in practice, well, let's go with those for this week and see yeah. how that works. Uh, so it, I think it's going to be a blend going forward on the long term, a blend of the standards to fancy offense and then building in those RPO read option things. Uh, and something that Fred touched on as well that I was thinking of too, when, when you see the Eagles do it with Jalen Hurts extremely well, you saw him do it once Jake, as, as Jake mentioned in Slack earlier, once he saw cover one, took off up the middle, got a huge gain. Uh, I want to see more of that in the red zone. There was one play specifically 
can't remember which drive it was. It was where they, it was where they were stopped on third down. He throws the fade to Cooper. Nothing mm-hmm. happened there. Chubb runs nothing there. I think maybe Kareem Hunt got a carry there, or no, a joke caught a ball, something like that. Um, where he was scrambling out to his right, and instead of taking off with his legs, did that little dump pass that went yep. right over. I might have been Felton's head. I can't remember whose player it was. It was. I think it was Woods. Woods. It was yeah, Woods, what? and he was yelling at Woods for giving yeah. up on the play. Right, yep. something went wrong yeah. there, but it, you could see that opening even for him. Like Woods was open. No, no, about the Woods was open on that play, but you see that opening for him to use his legs um, to make those plays. And as Fred said, it's it's not a really a play you can defend that well in the style of offense that the Browns run. And they've never had a guy at the quarterback position that can run like that. Uh, Jacoby did pretty well with it. Uh, Baker thought he was that guy. I don't know who <laughs> told him that he was a running quarterback, but all of a sudden we saw him taking off all over the place. But now he, he has that out-of-pocket presence, escapability uh, that we haven't seen before. And we're starting to see it a little, little bit more each week. Yeah. But once I want to see more of that when I get down to the red zone where they're struggling right now. Mm. They're not struggling to move the ball. They're getting down within the 30, within the 25. But they get into that red zone, things have really stopped as of late. Um, so get them a little more quarterback keeper calls, get them out of the pocket, and yeah. let them make those plays. And I think the offense will take off. You see those glimpses, those glimpses of like those little blips throughout the game where you see what it could become. It's, it's just because put it all together uh, for, for one complete game. I guess yeah. one of these next three teams, hopefully. Yeah, I, you know, I think I think that uh, you know the idea that comes to my head is that you know if if we think that they maybe have been a little bit um, conservative personnel wise this year because they have the suspension and they kind of thought they might not be in playoff contention and they are, you know, effectively not uh, you know mathematically eliminated but effectively eliminated from the playoffs. Maybe it doesn't make sense to be throwing your uh, quarterback into the meat grinder. But you certainly you watch the way that uh, Josh Allen plays with the Bills, Patrick Mahomes plays with the Chiefs, like you said, Jalen Hurts. These guys know, especially in red zone opportunities, in in third down opportunities, they have to go and make a play, and it's you know they kind of put themselves at risk to do that. And so, the you know the Browns have one of those quarterbacks now that can do that. So you you want to see them do that. Um, another thing that schematically they could change with the offense, and they did it a little bit on Saturday is to go more no huddle. Uh, we've got a clip of uh, Kevin Stefanski talking about um, their their usage of no huddle and what that might look like in the future. I think Deshaun certainly is getting more and more comfortable. Mary Kay and what we're doing, uh, we, we did do some no huddle in uh, this last game. We did some no huddle down in Cincinnati. It's been part of who we've been this season. Uh, back when we played Baltimore in the first game, we did some no huddle with Jacoby. So it's certainly uh, part of our system. And I think it's really game by game uh, the matchups, the certain things you're trying to do dictate how often and if you get into it at all. So uh, this week you could be in no huddle the whole game. You may not get into it at all, really just depending on what you're expecting from your opponent. And, and actually it, it dove, that dove, that comment dovetails really well with a, a comment here from OG Philly. Um, if they've scaled back some of the transition and offenses because of the O-line is, you know, has been struggling with, with parts and hasn't been playing as well. The no huddle certainly seemed to free up the offensive line um, and put the, the Ravens on their heels. Um, that quote doesn't make it sound like we're guaranteed to see more of it, Fred, but it seems like something that, you know, it worked for a small stretch and, and certainly allowed Deshaun Watson, it felt like, to be a little bit more free in his playmaking abilities, right? That's about as uh, most uh, Kevin expands on his answers. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, and so I think that, you got an athletic quarterback and he's at his best doing those type of things. I think, yeah, I think especially, you know, when you have defenses trying to load up the box or take away the run, you know, keep them, keep them on the field. So they, they have to, you know, and, and like you said, the offensive line struggling, if that's a, gives you a little edge, then do it. So I think you do more of, do more of it. And even if, even if you don't necessarily go up and hike it, fast you just go right to the line and you know take your time on the call but they can't sub when you when you're you know getting ready to go 
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Right. It, it, it puts the pressure on the defense and, and allows them to, to, to kind of dictate tempo a little bit more, which is something that at times they've been struggling with uh, this year. Uh, Cody, you know, we talk about the offensive line, and I think it's kind of something we've taken for granted. Um, but, you know, the, it's not just the, the, the fourth tier or fourth string center that they've got uh, right now, but also, you know, Wyatt Teller continues to, to struggle at times. And and then the, both tackles have been, I think, inconsistent would be the best word for them. And so, you know, I think one of the things that I'd like to see over the last three games is to see some consistency from the offensive line, but also kind of get a sense of like, is this unit still good? Uh, you know, good's objective. Good, good isn't necessarily objective. It can be objective. It can be subjective. I, I think right now it's average. I, I would say out across the board with the inconsistencies you see out of Jedrick Wills on the left side. Uh, the, the Conklin, who's not what he used to be because of injuries, because of age, that's taking a total on him as, at this point. Um, you see the the third, fourth string center. Batonio's doing his thing. He's the, one of the most consistent players in the position in the NFL. And then you have Teller, who now we've seen two years in a row kind of fall off the second half of the season. Uh, uh, Jack Duffin, who does the salary cap, um, is salary cap, salary cap and roster management guy here for, for the for the OBR tweeted about it earlier with Teller. Look at 2021, weeks one through nine. Um, he was eighth in PFF grade. Weeks 10 through 18, he was 33rd. And we're starting to see that something that, again, this year, with or without the injury, he kind of falls off in the second half of the season. So you hope that doesn't become commonplace where he crushes it for a half and then just kind of falls off the second half. But I think putting that offensive line right now anything above average uh, would be un- wouldn't be um, a reasonable take on it. Yeah. Uh, when with the no huddle stuff, that's probably the most comfortable I've seen Watson in this offense in, in these three games is when the team was running that. Uh, even the commentators, I think it was Rich Eisen mentioned that well, how well he was functioning and how comfortable he was in dealing with, with the offense at that time. Uh, so like Stefanski said, it's one thing, you know, you're not going to, necessarily maybe plan for to do do that but you have to see how the game flows and the game script and, and how everything goes to, to implement the no huddle but if, if he's more comfortable doing it i'm all yeah. for doing whatever the comfortable makes the, the quarterback adjust better to the game and when he's at his best performance uh so so the offensive line of, i hope it improves over these next three weeks because you're looking at i mean very likely well you're definitely looking at 20 percent turnover uh you hope it doesn't end up to being a 40 percent turnover uh, with whatever happens with Teller um, and Wills, but I'm assuming we'll see four of those five guys back next year at center being Puchik or, or Nick Harris. Right. Yeah, there's there's some question, and I I even saw a report that I had missed on Saturday game day, but a report from Mary Kay Cavett that, that Jack Conklin is, you know, somebody that the Browns would like to bring back, which I was surprised to read given how up and down his performance has been this year. Just a quick shout-out to Warpath EJH uh, for subscribing for 13 months in a row. Thank you, Warpath, for your support. Um, yeah, I, I think, uh, offensive line has been, you know, uh, an area that, that really the first half of the year, no problems. Everything was, was gravy. And then, uh, you know, that injury to Postage and, uh, the injury to Teller and, and consistent, inconsistent tackle play. And now it's basically Joel Latonio and a bunch of question marks, uh, not to be you know rude to those guys, but it definitely has changed the trajectory. And, and you have to wonder what an effect then that does have on the new quarterback, because, you know, my question is, you know, he's made progress, but 
are we, I mean, he, he's, so he's a better quarterback than he was in Houston. Um, that, that is to say this game in Houston on December 4th. Uh, but he's obviously not a finished product. Fred, if he doesn't improve from this point, is that enough? Or do we need to see more from Watson to make the trade that the Browns made worthwhile? Oh, you got to see more, but um, I think he's playing with one hand behind his back. You, The numbers ended up okay when they had to run at the end of the game, but they weren't running the ball yeah. in the in the first half. They weren't run. They didn't run the ball against the Bengals, so they were. The defense knew he had to throw, and I don't look at this as like a Hall of Fame class of wide receivers. I mean, Cooper you know, is, is doing well, you know, with an injury people's Jones is as well. But as far as beyond that, you're not getting a whole lot on David Njoku. So right. I think that he's got to have that burner. They haven't really had time or, or even tried to go deep, which the deep ball is part of his game. And there's not really been that type of guy that they can right. even send, you know, deep. And so, I just, I, worth the time of the year. That's why I say I wish I'd like to see maybe a 30 degree sunny, calm day or something yeah, before exactly. the season's out. So yeah. we can see Watson airing it out, totally being being comfortable in the offense because mm -hmm. um, it hasn't really been, you know, it really hasn't been in sync totally. But no, I, I'm convinced he's going to be you know, back to Pro Bowl self next year and and is going to be the least of their worries. My biggest worry is that Stefanski puts together an offense that really takes advantage totally of his skill set and don't mm -hmm. just kind of plot along with the same old stuff. I understand why they've done what they have did with, you know, Baker and Baker injured and and Brissett, but I want to see a night and day wide open offense, you know, I'll like the chiefs or, or something like that with, with Watson. And then you got to improve the defense, but you have a chance every week if you're scoring 35 to 40 points every week. Right. Yeah. They're, they're a long, long way. From... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, not not breaking ten, and and still haven't scored two touchdowns in a game that Watson has been in. So it's it's a long way to go. To your point, Fred, next season feels like this time that we will see that. But it is also a lot of pressure, right? Because uh, you know, as you said, Stefanski has had one sort of quarterback, and he's designed his offenses even back to Minnesota, designing an offense for Kirk Cousins, who is another limited quarterback in some ways. It, it, it is a different challenge to get the most out of a player rather than to raise the floor of a player. Uh, and so, you know, it's, it's a different skill set that Stefanski has to work with in himself and with the team generally. So, you know, Cody, one of the <laughs> questions that I have to you, Fred mentioned the deep ball, which has been kind of non-existent uh, since Watson has become the quarterback. Um, that's one step that he could take throwing the ball deep, you know, more often, but you know, obviously that part of that is the offensive design, right? Uh, what's another thing that J Deshaun could do in your mind that would kind of, give you a little more comfort that he's getting back to where he used to be. Yeah. With, with the deep ball, if we look to week 15, I just want to touch on that real quick. Only yep. Daniel, only Daniel Jones had a lower average intended air yards in week 15. So Daniel Jones was at 3.7. I yeah. was at 4.4. One of only four quarterbacks to be under five with Jones, Watson, Geno Smith, and uh, Brett, Brett Rippon were the only oh, four boy. at that level. And then you look at a guy like Derek Carr, 13 and a half, Hurts 12.2, Josh Allen 11.3. I think that's where we're headed over the long term is getting into that 8 to eight to 11, not the 4.4 uh, dump-offs. But, yeah, you know, it's kind of been surprising, but it, you, you, you said it well a second ago where raising the floor has been what he's done during his tenure with the Browns and with Baker, with Jacoby Brissett, a uh, very – Obvious. I think we got a big, large enough sample size with Jacoby this year to say that his floor was significantly raised um, from from prior performance on the field. And the same mm -hmm. with Baker. Uh, the ba Baker's ranked dead last or near the last in nearly every 
advanced metric this season. So I think Stefanski, I'm not going to say a quarterback whisperer by any means, but he's gotten the most out of his quarterbacks that he can. And I'm hoping he does the same with the Watson uh, over the long term because, you know, you're dealing with two separate players, two separate styles of play with him and Jacoby, two separate types of offenses you can run with these two guys as well. And like you said as well, you're, you're doing this on the fly kind of week by week. You know, he you, you wasn't yeah. practicing all those weeks where you're splitting the reps, maybe 70, 30 Jacoby and him and running two different offenses at the time. Uh, so it's, it's tough to do on the fly. It, it's going to be something that over the next couple of years, hopefully next season, that we see them go more downfield. Uh, but back to the specific Watson question, I agree yeah. with Fred that absolutely we need to see more from him. But I just want, I want to see it keep going up, keep going up, keep going up. We talked about it in Slack, like you mentioned. And if, you, if the data backs it up too, like I, I tweeted about this earlier today, if you look over the last three games, he's gone from a 55.8 to 56.8 to 70.1 PFF grade. Mm. His expected points added has gone from negative 10.1 to negative 2.0 to plus 1.9. So there's four different stats where he's just gone up, up, and up these three games. But more specifically, I think it's kind of putting it all together on those drives where you see it, that no huddle mm-hmm. drive that second drive of the game, the touchdown scoring drive of DPJ, uh, those type of things. Get up into that, not to be a a stat guy, but get up into that 250, 260, throw a couple touchdowns with no picks. That's what I want to see before the season is over. I know you're going against some pretty tough defenses in the Saints, the Commanders, and the Steelers, but they should have at least scored 20 to 26 points on Saturday. Uh, and they not sh- shot themselves in the foot, in my opinion, at least. Uh, so more consistency. Uh, take care of the football. Keep using your legs. Uh, keep delivering an accurate, catchable football. Uh, and keep that trend going upwards. And I think we have a, a bright future ahead uh, very quickly in 2023. Yeah, okay, so this this wasn't on the, the rundown, the things I wrote up. But I, I think it's, you know, we're three games from the end of the season. You know, it's uh, the start of 2023 is just around the corner, a week and a half. Um, so it, it feels relevant to me to start talking about what do they need to do in the offseason to get to where they want to go, right? Because, uh, Fred, you kind of alluded to it uh, earlier. You know, the running game has not been consistent since Watson has been the quarterback. It really hasn't been consistent since the bye week for the most part. Uh, but certainly the last three games it hasn't been consistent. And uh, the receiving core is is probably better than it was last year, considering how that ended up turning out. But it's still probably not all the way there. It feels like they need uh, another option there. Um, what do they need to do personnel-wise to turn this offense into the Chiefs or the Bills? Or is it more about what the coach needs to do to his scheme? Well, I think it's um... – First on the offensive line, they have to identify what went wrong. Is it subpar play that these guys just can't get any better or they did play better, you know, in the past? And is it injuries or what? Um, With Conklin, obviously they have to define (coughs) – some people say you really aren't even back for a year. He's just a year after that Patel attendant. So maybe he can get back to that all pro form. He sounded like he's planning on staying here. And so if, if they think he's really going to get better and he's willing to renegotiate, not take, you know, the last dollar and they can work it out, you know, maybe, maybe that will be, you know, the answer at right tackle. I don't know what you do with Wills. You got one of the best offensive line coaches and he picked him. And I do think the center thing is just, attrition you can't be on your fourth center and a guy who never played center and not expect a drop off so they have to identify the offensive line and get that corrected other than that i think the biggest thing would just be adding another top of the line wide receiver to go with cooper and people's jones either either a number two or a number three you can't just count on bell or schwartz or whoever to be that guy next year. You got to have three top end receivers, you know. And I don't even put necessarily the two the Browns have with the Bengals. You got to get another stud wide receiver that can s- stretch the the field. And because you don't have a first round pick, I mm. think you're going to have to 
attract somebody in free agency to make your fixes, whether it's wide receiver or whether it's offensive lineman. So they got to be very judicious. But I think I think everything will fall into line with a Pro Bowl quarterback. And mm-hmm. and there's his career rating is 103.1, even after these three bad games. His career completion percentage is like 67%. He's doing 60 right now. There's no question in my mind he's going to be the player he was. It's up to the Browns to surround him with a defense, but on offense enough to put the points, to be explosive and to yeah. do fireworks. Right. Yeah. No, and I, <laughs> you make great points, Fred, about the, the lack of a first-round draft pick. The cap situation is a lot more uh, you know, strict than it was in years past for them because of the Watson contract plus some other contracts the Miles Garrett contract and the Denzel Ward contract start to become factors. Uh, so Cody, my uh, question to, Oh, I'm seeing uh, we had thank you to red leader for two gifted subs and Warpath with two gifted subs as well. Thank you both uh, for your support. Um, Cody, uh, let's, I'm going to give you a difficult question. Uh, you have to, they can make one significant upgrade on this offensive st- uh, personnel group from, from this year, one position. What's your what position are you upgrading if you can only pick one to improve over what they've put on the field this year? I'm going to go wide receiver, uh, and I'm going to go in the draft, second round pick, and I would go down to right now, depending based upon big boards, projected yeah. draft stock. I would look at Josh Downs out of North Carolina, and I would look at Jalen Hyatt uh, from Tennessee as the two guys that could kind of be that downfield stretch the field, explosive playmaker that they don't have right now. That's no mm-hmm. offense against Cooper or DPJ. Schwartz isn't that guy. Uh, one of those two guys in that second-round pick could take the office to the next level, coupled with, you know, you got Chubb back. Maybe Coughlin comes back, and, and he's better. Just as Fred mentioned, he's not that far out from his uh, previous injury and injuries that he had last year. Uh, I think it is the receiver position. that If you look at across the board at, at, the, at the offense, assuming D, uh, Watson gets back to what he used to be, that would only be that would be the only quote unquote weak link that I could point to, um, yeah. outside of maybe Wills' inconsistency. But yeah, position player for sure, wide receiver to try to get to to that level that they want to be, which is the the Bengals, the, the Bills, the, the Chiefs, those high flying offenses that you're mm-hmm. never out of a game. If you're down 17 points with 11 minutes left, you still have a chance because you know you can score in two, three plays, four plays if you need to. Uh, right. Getting to that point where you don't have to rely on your defense being a top 10, top 12 unit uh, where you can, they can be average. And an average defense with the high-flying offense, you're going to win a lot of football games. So receiver is definitely the position I'm looking at, um, as we stand today at least. And I'm looking at it in the draft versus free agency as to not overpay uh, yeah. on, on the open market. We've got uh, E. Gillen in the comments saying he would he would prefer to go to the offensive line. And then, of course, we've got Warpath saying that he would rather go for a fullback. So Obviously fullback. Uh, yeah, and then and then Manimal makes a good point, which is is he Tony Grossi in disguise? Uh, okay, we talked about the offense. We're halfway through the show. Let's talk about the defense a little bit. Uh, I think we've got a, a def- uh, quote from Stefanski on Joe Woods and and some of the changes that he made uh, in preparation for the Ravens game queued up here for uh, for us to talk about the defense. Hey, Kevin, when we talked to Joe Woods on uh, I think it was Wednesday. He talked about simplifying the defense so the guys could play fast. Did that happen? And, and how, how do you condense that uh, defensive game plan? Yeah, you know, it's always a unique game plan when you're playing Baltimore. They have a, a varied attack. Uh, as you know, they can get big. They, they have the quarterback run game that you have to concern yourself with. So you're always trying to play simple but give your guys – answers give your guys some some different movements or what it, what it may be to try to stop slow down that run so uh at times we did it at times they got us and and you know they had some good plays they had some good schemes uh at the end of the day we made enough plays in in some critical moments uh but we're going to continue to try to put together a plan that gives our guys a chance to play fast so fred um i i the, the question that that jumps out to me watching uh Kevin's comments there is, uh, do, do you really think, is this just a one-off where Joe Woods and, and the defensive staff kind of have a good idea of what Baltimore is going to do to them 
offensively and they're just kind of prepared for it with the, <laughs> the way that they get these game plans put together? You know, it sure seems the body of work the last couple of years that they've really done a good job scheming and putting their personnel in position to defend the Bengals and the Ravens. And for that part, even the Steelers, um, unfortunately, I know I felt the, the way to win and get to the playoffs is to win the AFC North. Unfortunately, they're not doing a very good job outside the division right. and that's what right. cost them this year. <clears throat> so, um, it is something that they match up well and they play well against those teams and that's great, but you do have to be able to travel to all the other games outside of the division. And I hope, I hope that they woke up that you cannot wait till eight, 10 games left in the year or even less than that to wake up and start playing defense because we all know they're in this, this position because the defense and special teams didn't play for eight, nine, 10 games of this year. Right. And it, and it cost them the season and yep. they can't gloss over, Oh, we finished well. So we have it corrected because right. you, you, even if that's, even if you have it corrected, there's something with the coaching somewhere, the breakdown that you don't have them ready to play to start the season. You cannot Absolutely. play yourself into the season because by the time you do, your season could be over, as we right. saw this year. Yep. What in the what in the world was Greg Roman thinking? <clears throat> I mean, they're going for eight yards a pop, eight yards of seven, eight, nine yards a carry. And then they just switch over to throwing the ball the last 11 minutes of the game. Harbaugh said it today. They were worried about getting the number of possessions. Well, you had 11 <laughs> minutes left. You're only down 10 points. Run the ball. You're getting, I don't know why anybody even attempts to throw the ball against Cleveland. You run the right. ball 30 times, yeah. you're going to get 200 yards every week without a doubt. Yeah, and to his point, to his point Cody, is like if you're getting seven yards a run, even if you're starting on your own 30 – you're right. going to be in for a touchdown in 10 plays. And I don't think you have to take, you could go to the line in a hurry, right. you know, and right, hand yeah. it off. And you could probably get down the field in a couple minutes. It yep. was baffling having Huntley attempt. Well, how we, I don't know what the final number was. Over 30, was it? Over 30 passes. It was. I think it was right at 30, yeah. 33, 30, 30. 30 passes. Yep. No, no way he should have done that. They're in that game. Uh, running yep. the ball at will, just like every single team does every single week. The worst EPA rush defense in the football in football, historically bad uh, rush defense. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to chime in with that. I just had to get no, the, no. I think I that's to a talk great about point. that because it's it's a it's the the defense is being covered up by these turnovers right now. That the, the, the plays that are making. I'm not trying to discount what they're doing because that those turnovers. That, that's how you win games. Is forcing those especially yep. when you're in the, in the red zone, go fourth and one stop, first Ravens drive of the game. That's a turnover. The interception by Ward, the fumble by JJ3, huge plays at key parts of the game. Uh, but you take those away and the ball doesn't bounce your way, you you might lose that game. Uh, Curtis Shooter, what a, what a, we can do that with every single game in the NFL every single week. But I, I, in my eyes, the decision uh, has been made as to what happens with the defense this offseason. I hope it is. Nothing against Joe Woods. He seems like a very likable guy. Uh, it's just you can't, as Fred said, you can't strictly prepare for the division opponents, and you can't strictly be prepared for the second half of the season and, and just wash away the first half and lose those games. Um, but for the large part, those first 11 weeks, most of those losses were on the defense. You know, The yeah. offense was performing extremely well. And you can't excuse somebody just because they put together a good stretch of two or three weeks of top-notch performance. Uh, I, I don't. I think that's. Uh, I don't think it's a good thing team to look at it that way. Just say, hey man, two years in a row now, you kind of cut on towards the end of the year. Let's bring it together one more time and see if you do a whole season of it. I think you'd be doing this, the team and those players a disservice of doing that. Uh, we have a large enough sample size to to, to say that pretty objectively. Uh, that they need to go in a different direction and see what they can do with some different different schemes, different players, different coordinators. Yeah, well, you guys are you're kind of you're talking in the direction that I'm thinking, which is you know uh, it, it feels like there starts to become this narrative again of they're playing better, <laughs> they figured it out, they've put it together, 
So let's give him another shot. Let's give him another year. Um, Fred, do you agree with Cody that the decision's already made and, and they've they've moved on from Joe Woods and they're planning to as soon as the season ends? Yeah, I do. Um, and I think it'll be could be very pain. Maybe Kevin Stefanski may not be on board, but above him, I think it's on board. If anything, you just you need a different voice. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> like you said, Joe Woods, great guy. But he's very much like Kevin Stefanski. I almost feel like you need a disruptor in there or somebody, you know, the bad guy that's going to get in there and and kind of get in the face. And I just feel that, yeah, it's whatever it is, it's not working. I mean, my main was made up on the blown coverages. I don't know how many they had, how many in the first three, four games. I mean, this is the same guys you had last year. Why everybody was excited this year? Because you were bringing back nine of the 11 starters and more depth at corner and other positions, and you thought you'd pick up where you left off and you would play well enough to win a lot of those games when you didn't have your quarterback. And lo and behold, your your sub-quarterback puts up 25 points a game, and yet you were 4-7. and seven. Right. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I, I I like to hear that because I'm very much of that opinion that, that Joe Woods, you know, has kind of proven who he is as a defensive coordinator and moving on would be a good thing for the Browns and probably for Joe, for that matter. Um, my only concern is that you've got the Saints this week and what looks like it's going to be a blizzard. Um, you've got the Commanders next week and, and uh, you know, their offense is all right and they can certainly run the ball, but you know, um, that, that's one, another one that's not, it's certainly not an elite offense. We'll say that. And then you've got the Steelers and who knows who will be their quarterback by mid January. So, you know, there's, there's a chance that you can really spin a narrative here down the stretch that the, that the defense has really turned it over because it will be now going back to the Buccaneers game that the defenses look pretty good, Cody. And so, you know, I, like, I, I think what I want is, you know, I mean, they had a screaming good case to fire this guy midseason, right? They could have absolutely fired him if they had if they had laid an egg against the the uh, the Bengals going into the bye week. He probably would have lost his job, but they played a really good game, so he saved it. And then you know uh, they were completely absent for the Dolphins and Bills games. Um, so I you know I, I I know you already said you're sure that he's gone. What, what do you think then? I mean, I guess let's, let's talk about this then. What do you think they do? Is this a situation where does Kevin get another chance to hire his guy? Or do you think that the front office already has somebody in mind? I would think it would be a collaborative effort where kind of everybody has a discussion of guys they like, uh, guys they could see be, being successful here, maybe guys they've worked with before or guys they've heard through word of mouth across the league that this, you know, this is an up and comer uh, the guy that could really be, maybe could really be successful as a coordinator, or somebody <laughs> that's already done it before. That's open it up there. Unfortunately, Mike Zimmer was plucked by Dion in Colorado, uh, so his name's off the list. But I, th- I think it's similar. I can't speak it as fact, but I would speak it as similar. Think it is similar to the work they do on the personnel side of things. Where you know, last November, before they even made the uh, Deshaun Watson trade, they're already looking into him already looking into ways they can improve this offense, uh, mm-hmm. uh, the personnel from number one to number 53 on the roster. I would assume they do something probably at a much, much, much lesser scale when you think there's a possibility that you're going to replace somebody to at least have a list of names that you think could potentially fill that role. That's my thinking at least, or the way that I would go about things, would at least have a plan B, C, D, F, and G on the table should things go south. I would think with the way that Andrew Berry's organized and detail oriented, that kind of goes that way. And, and I, you also don't know how much the owner is involved. Owners, I should say, Jimmy Andy. You don't know how much they're involved in these type of decisions as well. I'm sure their voice would have to be heard. I know it was heard with the Watson trade, as it should have been for a move like that. Uh, but when it comes to these, I, I would guess it would be Jimmy, um, Jimmy D, Andrew, Kevin. Everybody, the big voices, deep and desk, stay in a room together, uh, deciding what the next move is on defense and in special teams. And you got to figure if they let Woods go, then you're probably losing 
all all if not the majority of your position defensive coaches as well, like your Jeff Howards, uh, your Chris Kiffins, and those guys as well. Uh, but yeah, I, I, in my mind, it's, it's already made up. It, it, it even if just like you said, you're facing these more lackluster offenses in the Commanders and the Steelers and the Saints, the Texans, and, and uh, well, not the Ravens, but the Ravens with Huntley. Uh, that maybe your data is a little bit skewed to the defensive side of the football. And I'm sure that's something they weigh in uh, when, when this decision gets made, when you look at how they perform against the better teams, like your, your Bills, <laughs> uh, your Bengals, and those high-flying offenses. How do you perform against those versus your lesser offenses and kind of weigh, the, weigh your options on both sides? Fred, what do you think about the the replacement uh, for Joe Woods if, if they do end up firing him or when they decide to move on, however you want to put it? Do you think that's something where – is it is it collaborative like Cody was was saying, or do you think because the 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 last hire didn't work out, do you think uh, the ownership or front office, De Podesta, Barry, whomever, wants to have more of a voice in in this hire? Yeah, I think they do everything collaborative, and and I think one of the reasons Kevin Stefanski has been so agreeable because he does agree with just about you know what they tell him, yeah. you know he seems to go along with it, <clears throat> and that's where. You know, I know he has not made any changes, you know, since he's been here. And you like the continuity, but I think it's especially getting stale at this point. And to Cody's point, you give up. You haven't really stopped the high-flying teams like the Bills and the Dolphins. And, you know, you could say you did the Bengals the first time and maybe even a little bit the second time. But I want an experienced guy. I don't want the guy that's – up and coming and they hope that he develops into one. You got a team that should have been in the playoffs this year. Um, the NFL did what they did and, and cast the Browns fate for the most part anyway. But for next year, you only have these guys, you know, a miles Garrett and these guys in their prime. You can't wait. You got a quarterback, right. you got a team ready to win and to play now. So you need, Somebody that's already been there, done that, like you were saying, like a Mike Zimmer. There's got to be somebody that's going to be on a staff that's fired that is a good defensive coordinator that's available. And yeah. a Jim Schwartz kind of guy. Yeah, you yeah. bring somebody yeah. in and we'll run it. And, and immediately, you don't have to be a top 10 defense. It'd be right. nice, but if you could just be higher – then, then where they're at now, you know, they're like 20th in the NFL in points allowed. They're allowing too many points. Last year, they only gave up 20 a game. That would have been great. The offense couldn't score 20 a game last year. You know, I think this offense will score more than 25 a game. So you have to get a defense that is not giving up more than that. Uh, great little nugget here from Warpath. Uh, Pat McAfee show apparently said that the they are they're currently paying eight hundred million dollars to coaches who are not currently coaching in the league, which is uh, hard to believe. But at the same time, you know, uh, they, there's a lot of bad coaches hired every year. I can say that for sure. Um, they're probably still paying Freddie Kitchens, aren't they? Because that was nineteen he was hired, so this would be his last year. So uh, anyway, uh, we're talking about twenty twenty three for the most part. We're talking about Watson. Coming into 2023, we're talking about the defense, who will be coordinating the defense into 2023, who will be kicking the football for the Browns in 2023. It should probably be their fourth-round pick because it's the you know one of the higher-drafted kickers of the past decade. Uh, Kevin Stefanski talked a little bit about Cade York's struggles. Uh, let's look at that video. Uh, concerning uh, Cade York, the um, vast majority of his misses are here in your stadium. When you see Chuck and Tucker miss two field goals, does it kind of substantiate that this is one of the toughest venues to kick in? Yeah, well, I, I do think there's an element to that, Tony, for sure. You know, our stadium being on the lake, you're going to deal with the elements. You're going to deal with the cold. You're going to deal with the cold this week as, as you look at the forecast. Uh, it's certainly the wind picks up. I don't think the wind was a, a real big factor yesterday, but that that's part of the elements that really both teams have to deal with. So, I think the 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 there's not an advantage or disadvantage in that since both teams have to deal with that. That's a sweet hoodie, by the way. Yeah, distressed. 
That's real nice. <laughs> uh, Fred, you were there on Saturday. How much do you think it was the elements and how much of it is just Cade having some trouble kicking the ball straight? Yeah, he even said it wasn't that bad. Um, I just, I don't know all the technical things, but I did see, you know, the one to the left. It just kind of like, sometimes like my tee off shot, you know, <laughs> you know, where you just, Oh yeah. You don't intend to, but you shank it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think if you move on from him, you're going to see, you know, a guy that goes to pro bowl, you know, every year. Cause he's got the leg. He's got everything. The biggest thing is between the ears. And we thought in training camp being around him and it, might've been overblown because he just seemed to have the right mentality. He was, you know, he said the right things. He didn't miss in training camp. And, you know, you're like, wow, this nothing rattles this guy, but obviously, you know, I think he's 22 of 30 on field goals. And, um, you know, that's, they moved on from chase McLaughlin because of stuff like that in the second half of last year. And then you saw McLaughlin and Greg Joseph, two former Browns kickers, mm. dueling in that game the other day. So I think he'll be fine. Um, you might as well, you got to cut your teeth sometime. I think this year will just make him work all the harder in the offseason. I think he'll figure it out. I mean, he's 21, 22 years old. Right. I think that he's got the leg, he's got everything you want. They didn't pick him in the fourth round for no reason. Um, so I, I think he'll be fine. Uh, yeah, I, I tend to agree with you, Fred. And I, I certainly don't want to scapegoat the poor kid because like you said, if, if, uh, you know, like the Tony Grossi said in the, in the video we played, uh, Justin Tucker missed two on, on Saturday as well. And you don't see that every day. So, uh, Cody, um, my question is for you is more of a value one it was already probably a questionable decision to draft a kicker in the fourth round from a value perspective. Now that he's had a bad season or a disappointing season, let's say um, the pressure's on him even more to, to do better next year. You have to think if he struggles again, like this next year, he probably doesn't stick around. Is it even possible now for him to deliver the value uh, that the Browns should have received or could have received from selecting a different player at that spot in the fourth round? Yeah, that, that's the problem with it is, is when you see the, 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 the other players that were selected in the surrounding area where he right. was in, the, in, in that round, that kind of gives you pause. And you, and you understand why they want to get kicker because kickers are valuable. When you get a guy like Justin Tucker or, or, or somebody like that, it's an extremely valuable player. But the problem is you can typically get these guys <laughs> late rounds or even, even undrafted. You get Victor the kicker, guy undrafted, he's out there winning the game every week it seems like. Uh, but it, it's like Fred said, it's between the ears – and he's got to improve in that 30 to 49 yard range. That's his problem right now. He's 13 of 18 from 30 to 49 yards down the field. Or plus 50. Okay, I'll give you some misses there. Uh, but that range where all the, the majority of your kicks take place, he's got to make those uh, pretty much regardless of the elements. And I, I think patience uh, will pay off for the team with him. He obviously has the leg. He can boot the ball like crazy. It's just more practice. Uh Take another year with him and, and see. I think he'll be fine. I think he'll be the kicker they want. But if not, I mean, kickers are cheap. You can cut him. Yeah, you lose a fourth-round pick, but your, your dead money is, is next to nothing immaterial in the grand scheme of things. But you hope he works it out, gets up to that fourth-round value, uh, and, and makes some kicks and becomes that where you're not, you know, gritting your teeth or, or biting your fingernails every time the, the field goal kicker comes on to kick a game-winning field goal or any field goal in general because that's kind of how it is right now. You really don't know. Where that ball's going to go, left, right, straight. You have no idea. Yeah. I'll say one thing. Um, yeah. You know, I'm not blaming him, but you could really make a case that the season, the Browns, that he cost him the playoffs because that Jets game, he missed that extra point. Obviously, the defense shouldn't have collapsed. Right. <clears throat> and that would have at least been overtime. But that Chargers game, you know, he missed the field goal. It was 54 yards. You win right. that game right now, you're seven and seven, and you're right there. If you win both of them, you're eight and six, and you're like almost assured of making it. Right. Yeah. They'd be in the, the hunt for the division still if they had won those two games. So, no, it's a good point, Fred. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a point to the, 
you know, the philosophy of the entire season for the Browns and how much they expected to compete and everything that, that happened once they traded for Watson. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's hard sitting here in, in December to look back on it and feel like, you know, they kind of almost didn't have give themselves the best chance because of some of the factors uh, that went into the season. Another, uh, a good point by uh, fumble 13, if Prefer is gone, you know, that, that maybe would, would change things too, because, you know, I think, that's one of the questions here too, is if he's getting the best coaching, but, uh, but, you know, as Paul Spencer says in response, I, I'm not so sure that that's a sure thing either. If, if Woods can save his job, which I still believe, I, I certainly think Mike Prefer could still save his job. So uh, that'll be something we'll keep an eye on down the stretch. Uh, we're, we're running out of time. I just want to close up uh, looking a little bit ahead to Sunday. The weather looks absolutely atrocious. Uh, temperatures in the teens, uh, winds as high as 60 miles an hour have been forecast at times. You know, it's it's early yet, right? It's Monday night. We're talking about a game that's happening Saturday, so we're talking six days away. But, uh, Fred, you, you, will you be at the stadium for this one? Are you going to go down there in a – what are you going to do? Go in a, a full snowsuit or an anorak? Or what? what's the outfit for something like that? I tell you, I, I dread that. This is the last trip down there this year, and the worst part right. is walking from the lake to the – into the stadium and you know i was hoping to escape it this year <laughs> last week wasn't the greatest either but yeah. it could really be yeah i'm i got i gotta go i mean um i've been down there and worse but <laughs> as far as since it's the last one i yeah. just think that <clears throat> like i said earlier it's a shame because i want to see a calm you know i don't care if it's cold but i want to see a calm day and i want to see you know, Watson be able to go against the defense that can put up some numbers and put up some points. I don't want to have to see a 50 mile an hour wind where you're, you know, and it's like it was that eight to nothing Browns Bills blizzard a few years ago where mm -hmm. it really wasn't football. It's just kind of like shuffling around. So I think it, it hurts the Browns because they got a good running attack, but so do the Saints. So I just yeah. think that I would like to be able to see, you know, maybe it come down to the arms, but yeah, hopefully that weather will, will miss those three hours. And that would be, <laughs> that would be my wish. Yeah. Hopefully there's a lull from, from one to four and everybody can, or maybe even from 11 to six. So everybody can get in and out of the stadium safely. And I mean, when, when you're talking, you know, fumble 13 said in chat, 20 degree below zero wind chill, you're talking about that. Uh, that you're now you're talking about genuinely dangerous weather, right? I mean, I you know I I uh, lived in Wisconsin for a long time. I'm not a stranger to those sorts of temperatures, but the the key there is not being out in it for that long. If you're out in that for for a long time, especially as a fan, uh, it it you are at risk, especially with the wind, because you know on a on a cold day, even in the the teens or the single digits, if you're in a stadium packed in tight with a bunch of other people. It's not, you know, it's a little warmer there than it would be standing in the middle of a field, but the wind takes all of that away. So, uh, it, you know, it's a, it's more of a concern, you know, it'll be, I mean, I'll be watching it from, from the safety and security of my home and hopefully I have a, a big roaring fire going, but it's certainly one where it's going to feel, you know, a little dangerous, I think. And, and, and Cody, to, to Fred's point, the team visiting is from New Orleans. So certainly not a team that, you know, they play indoors. Uh, they play in the NFC South. They they rarely make a trip to the Northeast. Not a team that's super familiar with uh, this type of weather. So you'd have to imagine just from a psychological perspective, it would favor the Browns a little bit, just in terms of just the shock of walking out onto a field where it's it, temperatures below zero. Well, Andy Dalton's familiar with it, right? A little bit. I suppose, He's yeah. Run it. Well, that's, that's Kentucky. Yeah, right. And, uh, yeah, they still get to face that. Terrible Browns run defense. That'll help a little bit. But yeah, your your point, your point is very valid. That when you go from playing in a dome and you're playing down south where it's warm all the time and beautiful all the time, humid but beautiful, uh, to playing in a negative twenty degree weather, it's it's a big adjustment. Uh, but I, I mean, I lean toward it favoring the Saints just as much as it favors the Browns because the Browns have struggled to run the ball lately efficiently. Okay. They picked all up right. some volume stats this week, but I think it favors them just as much with Alvin Kamara. Running the ball, I believe they picked up David Johnson, didn't they, as well, to, to be running back there, something like that, maybe. I honestly I don't know. Kept track of it. Yeah, the Saints maybe. have been kind of a, a lost season for them. So, but yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that they can't win the game just because of the weather. But I mean, <clears throat> when you 
with these two offenses and the way they're playing, it, it oh, very sure. well sure. may be a, a, a eight nothing, six nothing type of type of result if there's snow and wind and all all that stuff moving on. And you'd much rather it be just like Fred said, sunny and and, and play a good offense. You know, everybody says football weather, but nobody wants to play in that unless you're an absolute no. maniac. No, and no, nobody wants to watch it either. Um, yeah, and you know, I, I think to Fred's point. Uh, with hopefully, you know, either the game in Washington or the game in Pittsburgh, as unlikely as it might sound, one of those games, you know, it's it's more of a nice winter day rather than uh, an atrocious weather day, which uh, is what it looks like we're in store for on Saturday. Uh, Cody and I will be back on Thursday to preview that game. Uh, we'll have a much more in-depth weather forecast at that time. Maybe we'll have graphics. Maybe we'll do some wind chill graphics. That would be fun. Meteorological uh, help the hell of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll do some. We'll do, I'll, I'll put a green screen up, and we'll do the whole thing. Uh, so join us for that. Of course, tomorrow night is Chalk Talk with Jake Burns, and then the Garage Beer uh, Garage Beers guys have a show at nine. And then on Wednesday, Fred will be back with the great Barry McBride to uh, discuss the week in Browns and uh, probably uh, some some thoughts on the upcoming uh, New Orleans Saints game on Saturday. So join us for that all week. Of course, there's great coverage on the OBR as well. Uh, Jack Duffin just launched his uh, off-season preview series today, and uh, Fred's got a great article about the Browns' uh, slim but not non-existent playoff chances. Uh, so there's lots of great stuff on the OBR, as always. Thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you to Fred Greetham for joining me. Thank you to Cody Sook for joining me. Uh, thank you to Ian McBride behind the scenes with all those great press conference clips. Thank you to all of you in chat. Uh, we will uh, see you again tomorrow night for Chalk Talk, and as I said, we'll be back throughout the week. And, uh, of course, we'll have pregame coverage on Saturday as well before the New Orleans game. So thanks again to everybody. Have a great night. Go Browns. See you all. Thanks.